Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Bill Gorman. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to see each of you this morning. And uh, before we open God's Word, I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Instead of me uh, praying for us in this moment, I actually want to invite you to pray. Uh, And so bow your heads if you would and silently ask God to speak to you this morning. Um, Ask Him to speak to you personally, intimately through His Word and by His Holy Spirit, what you need to hear from him this morning. So I'm just going to give us about 15 seconds. Let's, let's do that right now. Let's pray. Father, speak to me. I want to continue to have you pray for a moment, this time for the people sitting closest to you, for the people in this room, that they would hear God's voice this morning as well, speaking through his word, that they would hear exactly what they need to hear from God this morning. Let's take another moment and pray for that. Pray for your neighbor, that they would hear God's voice in his word this morning. Father, would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, we long to hear from you, and we expect that you will speak uh, through the scriptures to us this morning, and we pray and ask that we would hear that voice clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, as we begin here, just a a quick show of hands this morning. Who here is is tired this morning? Who here feels tired? Like they could have used a little bit more sleep last night. Okay, I've got some hands, yeah. Um, I know I certainly walk into Sunday mornings often feeling uh, tired. Because, I mean, again, who feels like they're completely rested and ready for all they have to face tomorrow morning on Monday? You know, probably not many of us feel that they are totally ready and rested and just ready to go for for Monday tomorrow morning. And, And maybe you did sleep pretty well last night, but maybe it's not so much a physical exhaustion that you feel. Maybe it's a, a multi, uh, an emotional or mental weariness. And, and I've just been thinking this week, why are we so tired? Right? Because the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which studies labor as well as, as leisure time in the United States, they published a report back in, in 2017. They do this every year. They, they look at how, are people, how many hours are people working, how much time are people resting, how much time are people doing childcare, all this work. They kind of, what is the composite of how people spend their day? And in 2017, which is the, the latest report they have published, uh, the average person 15 years and older had five and a half hours of leisure time every day. So that's time when you're not sleeping, working, doing childcare, household chores, five and a half hours of, of leisure time available to you. And, and the vast majority of us then, if, if that's true, if that's, that's average, maybe some of us a little less, some a little more, but five and a half hours, that's way more leisure time than most people throughout history have ever had. And certainly even when you look at, at people around the world today, Uh, we at five and a half hours have a lot more leisure time each day than most people. You know, we're we're not subsistence farming. We aren't laboring in some kind of Dickensian workhouses for 18 hours a day. We, We have dishwashers. We have microwaves and grocery stores and frozen pizza. We have leisure time. So why don't we feel more rested? 
more refreshed. Well, I want to show you this chart from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's a hard word to say. Statistics. You can't read what's up there, I know, but that, that, that top line, that biggest bar, that, that's all that five and a half hours. That's total leisure time. And then what's below it is the different ways that we spend that leisure time. That biggest bar underneath is watching TV. So we spend more of our leisure time watching TV than any of the other leisure time combined. That's playing games or doing sports or uh, talking with friends, all those kinds. Of, we do TV more than any of those other things. Now on my day off, I love to have a good meal and, and watch Netflix for a few hours on that evening. Love it. Um, but, I, I mean, if I'm honest, I don't necessarily feel super rested after watching a couple hours of Netflix. I think if we're, we're honest with one another, the things that we often turn to for rest don't give us the deep rest that we long for. But there is rest available that, that isn't just another nap, that isn't just another distraction, but real rest. And it's in the most unlikely of places, a place that none of us would choose, not on our own, because true rest, Jesus says, is found in a yoke. So listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. That's our scripture reading for this morning. Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. It's found on page 816 in your pew Bible. So if you want to grab the Bible out of the rack in front of you, you can follow along page 816 there. Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Listen to what Jesus says about where rest is found. At that time, Jesus declared, verse 25, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And Jesus continues, verse 28, Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a yoke. This is what Jesus is talking about. I don't know if you've seen one of these before. Um, it's what a yoke looks like. It's an, it's an ancient farming tool, uh, not something that we probably encounter or deal with very much on a regular basis. It's foreign to us, but it would have not at all been foreign to Jesus' listeners. In fact, Jesus as a carpenter in the first century, it's likely that he probably would have made yokes like this one. And so what is this yoke for? What was the yoke used for? Well, you use it to, to hook two oxen together to pull or to plow, shoulder to shoulder, sharing the load, sharing the work. And when you had a, a young ox to train, you, you yoke them to a seasoned ox. So here you have got these two oxen. So we'll say one of those ox here, that's the young ox, is, is Billy there on the, on the side closest to us. And, and little Billy, you know, he can't just do whatever he wants anymore. He's yoked now to big Big Bessie there. And if Billy sees a nice little patch of green off to one side, he's like, I'm going to go nibble that. But Bessie says, no, we're working. She pulls him back. This is how we plow, right? The older ox trains the younger what it is to do this work together. And over time, 
Billy learns his purpose on the farm, learns through submission to be just like the master. But what is Jesus doing here when he picks up this metaphor of, of the yoke? Because if you show a, a yoke to oxen, they think work, not rest, right? And in fact, the majority of the time that the word yoke appears in the Scripture, it's, it's in a negative sense. It's a metaphor uh, for slavery, oppression, when Israel had a tyrant king or they were under the, the rule of an abusive enemy. Even as Jesus is speaking to his listeners in the first century, Israel is under the yoke of slavery to the Roman Empire. Nobody in their, their right minds wants to wear a yoke. But we're all wearing a yoke of some kind. We've all attached our, our lives to something, whether that's our, our, our school, or our family, or our work, or uh, marriage, or addiction, or fitness. There's all these things that we've, we've linked ourselves to saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be connected to this. I want to find meaning in this. And all the yokes that we put on, they, they all make a promise of some kind, achievement, or happiness, or security, or freedom, or comfort. But I want you to take away from today, if nothing else, that there is no real rest. There is no real rest outside of Jesus' yoke. We're all wearing a yoke of some kind, but there is no real rest outside of Jesus' yoke. And this is going to frame our study, what Jesus is getting at. Every one of us is wearing a yoke. Jesus says, mine is better, though. Submit to me, and in my yoke, you'll find rest. What still sounds impossible, and it is, it's a paradox that Jesus invites us to. And so what I want to do as we, as we study this this morning is we're going to compare Jesus' yoke to the yokes of our own making. Jesus' yokes to the yokes of our own making. And, and the first thing that you see is, is a yoke of human expectation or a yoke of humble invitation? A yoke of human expectation or a yoke of humble invitation? Right? Because how much of our time each and every day is consumed with pursuing the, the expectations, the approval of other people? Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your teacher. Maybe it's the other kids in your class. Maybe it's the other moms in the playgroup. Maybe it's your boyfriend or your girlfriend. But so often we spend so much of our time, whether consciously or not, working to live up to the expectations and the approval of others, right? In our pride, we try to handle ourselves on our own. We try to meet the demands that others place on us. And often, even more difficult, we try to meet the demands that we place on ourselves. Sometimes the demands we put on ourselves are the heaviest of all. And in the culture that we live in, it's those who achieve, those who accomplish who are celebrated, those who have who are famous, those who have it all together who are accepted. But how many of us, how many of us are haunted by the feeling, though, that I am not enough? I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not wealthy enough, I'm not rested enough, I'm not religious enough, I'm just, I'm just not enough. 
I was reminded how, how deeply I feel that on a regular basis in kind of the most unlikely of places. I was reading to our girls the other night, Isla, our two and a half year old, had picked uh, this classic kids book, put me in the zoo to read. And um, so we're, we're reading through and I get this line, you know, this, this animal, you know, he just, he just wants so desperately to be in the zoo, but they, they won't let him in. And early on in the book, I'm reading this to our kids and, and there was like a catch in my throat. And I, I wasn't expecting that because they throw him out of the zoo. He says, we do not want you in the zoo. Out you go, out with you. And the animal says, why did they put me in this way? I should be in. I want to stay. And then this was what got me. Why should they put you in the zoo? What good are you? What can you do? What good are you? What can you do? I mean, friends, how often, every day, deep in my heart, those questions echo, what good are you? What can you do? What good are you? What can you do? Do you feel that? Those are the voices that we hear at every turn. You hear them from yourself. You hear them from others. And they will destroy your soul. But Jesus never asked those questions of you. Instead, he asks, who feels like they're no good? Who feels like they can't do? I want you. Jesus doesn't invite those who have it all together. He says, come to me, you who are weary, burdened, heavy laden, exhausted, come to me. That's the yoke I want to wear. You see, our great goal in life is not to accomplish great things but to become the apprentice, to become the learner of a great person. The great thing in life is not to accomplish great things, but to become the apprentice of a great person. Jesus, he's not, he doesn't ask what you've accomplished. He isn't interested in your CV or your resume or how much you've made or, or where you graduated or what your ACT score was. He asks, who feels like they're not good? Who feels like they can't do it? If that's you, then I want you. Come to me. Are you humble enough to come to Jesus? Are you humble enough to come to him? How have you responded to his invitation, his humble invitation to take on his yoke and learn from him? The choice is ours. We can stay in the yoke of human approval, trying to meet human expectations, or we can choose the yoke of humble invitation and come and learn from a great person. Next, we can choose a yoke of, of our own endless striving or a yoke of God's rest. A yoke of my own endless striving or a yoke of God's rest. And in the biblical storyline, both work and rest are really key. Right from the first two pages of your Bible, we see that we are made in the image of a working, creative God who speaks and galaxies come into existence and He makes all kinds of things. God is a worker and we're made in His image. But when God completes His work, He takes a rest. Six days of work, one day of rest, establishing for us this pattern of work and rest. And yet so often we think the only way that we can rest is through our own work. That it's in our work that we find rest. 
That if we just work hard enough, then we can rest. That if we earn enough, then we can rest. If, if our weekend or our vacation is good enough, then we can rest. That if I get all my own choices or on my own way or I don't have any restraints or I have perfect freedom, then I'll be able to rest. But here's the thing, your heart is a terrible master. Your heart is a terrible boss because whenever you accomplish whatever your kind of heart is held out there to say this is this is what if you can just do this then you'll be able to rest it's you get there and the goal line is moved your heart says just do a little bit more if you are looking to your own labors your own abilities to find rest you will always be tired you will always be tired but if you submit yourself to Jesus's yoke if you commit yourself to, to learning from him, letting him call the shots, then you will, over time, in that relationship, begin to find rest. And, and not a rest of self-indulgence or overindulgence, which isn't actually rest anyway, but a rest that refreshes you for the work that Jesus invi has invited us into, the work that he's called us to. I love how one commentator explains this. He says, the invitation to rest does not mean that they are henceforth excused from hard work. On the contrary, to be a follower of Jesus is to enter a way of life that necessarily involves hard work. But there is nothing of the hopelessness about it that characterizes life for far too many of the world's afflicted. Because think about it like this. The, the rest that Jesus invites us to um, is like this. I began a process of, of strength training uh, this year. And if you're doing strength training in particular, you have to take days off in between to allow your, your muscles, your body to heal. You have to take breaks in between sets to allow your body to recover. That's the kind of rest that Jesus invites us to. Not, not just a rest of, of self-indulgence, but a rest that, that refreshes us for what he's called us to do. Refreshment for the mission, the Monday mission of following him in all of life. And, and then Jesus says at the last, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden of light. What does Jesus mean by that? Well, it means that he helps us to carry the load. It means that we're not doing the work on our own. We're not trying to handle all of our stuff by ourselves. It, it makes me think of, of hiking. Many of you know that we love hiking as a family. And when you're going out for, for a whole day of hiking, especially if you're in the mountains or someplace where the weather can change quickly, you have to be prepared. So let, let me show you what I mean. So if you're going to go out for a long day of hiking in the mountains, you have to bring a lot of stuff with you. Some things, right? So you got to, of course, first you got to have your USGS topographical map. You don't want to leave home without that. And then if it's, you know, an extra layer or two, maybe a, a hammock for a little shelter or rest. It might get dark, so you need your headlamp, your emergency space blanket. Of course, you got to have extra water. Um, you your down jacket in case it gets cold. you got to get that. And then you've got to have extra, extra food, first aid kit. It's hard to hang on to here. you got to have your your toolkit with your Leatherman and stuff like that, a hat, all this. And now imagine trying to go hiking like this. Like the, this is hard, right? You, you, like you can't hold on. Like I literally can't hold on to it. And yet this is how so many of us try to, to deal with handle life. It's like you've got your marriage and you've got your, your job that just fell on the ground. And you've got, um, you got your kids and, and your finances. And we're trying so desperately to hang on to it and manage it. Right? 
And, and, we're try- and we expect them all to flourish. We're, just, we're trying here. What we need is a yoke. And I picture it sort of like a good backpack, which I got one for Christmas, a new hiking pack, Osprey Talon 22. I've done a lot of research. It's a good pack. <laughs> You're looking. And you start to put this stuff in here. Let me, let me just pack this, right? So this is what happens. At some point, you just come to your life, you just you drop it all. Right? But you start putting this in the pack. And, and everything's got a spot. You know, there's the, there's the water bottle holder on the side. And you start getting the priorities of your life arranged. And you start getting this stuff in here like this. And you stuff it in. And, and Jesus allows you to take all those pieces of your life. He says, give them to me. Step into my yoke. Learn from me. I'll show you where they fit, how they go. And at one level, right, the pack, you're adding something to your life. The pack actually adds a little bit of weight. But at the end of the day, once you get all this stuff in the pack, and you can zip that thing up, if I can find the zipper on the side, and you put that on, gosh, like so much easier, right, than trying to carry all that stuff on your own. And Jesus, that's what he invites us to. Yo, give me your life. And I'll show you where it fits. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. There's rest with him in this. Okay, so one, one more set of yokes to look at before we're done here. Here's our final set. The, the yoke of trying harder or the yoke of training better. Trying harder or training better. And I think a lot of us, we could hear this message this morning and think, okay, I've got a bill. Like, I'm going to go home tomorrow and I'm going to start off on Monday and I'm going to try harder to be a better Christian. But trying harder alone doesn't work. Second, I mentioned I started this new, this new strength training program and I want to get to this place where I can do like six or eight pull-ups in a row. I can do like two in a row now, okay? So skinny guy, don't judge. I'm, I'm working on it, Okay. But here's the deal. If I do my two pull-ups in a row, and I just, I, I'm just hanging from the bar, I can try as hard as I can. But if I'm just hanging from the bar trying, I am, I'm not going to get a third one, much less six or eight, by just hanging from the bar and trying harder. Which is why in a training program, right, you're doing all kinds of other things. You're doing push-ups and core workouts and sit-ups and all these other exercises, bicep, all these things to strengthen you, train you so that you can prepare for that activity. And this is the beauty of Jesus' yoke. He invites us to walk with him and to submit to him, to learn from him, to train with him. Learn from me, he says. And one of the most powerful ways we can do this is through the spiritual disciplines. It is amazing that Jesus, God himself, he took time in his busy life to rest, to seek solitude, to pray. And so in our our guidebook, uh, our Church for Monday guidebook that goes along with the series, you can grab one of these. I think we have like maybe three of these left. Uh, We'll we'll have more next week if you you haven't got one of these, but there's a couple back on the name tag table. Um, the, The chapter on the yoke in this book, this is how it begins. It says, The disciple who's ready for Monday puts on the yoke pursuing intimacy with God through spiritual disciplines. And I love some of the explanation of this uh, later on in the chapter. It says, we know that embracing our unique Monday mission is difficult. So how do we prepare? And Dallas Willard argues that to perform appropriately in those moments when we're on the spot, we must prepare 
while we're off the spot. Preparation, he says, comes through regular engagement with the spiritual discipline. So how do you handle that hard conversation? How do you handle that moment of temptation? How do you handle that added stress or the difficult decision by training for it in the disciplines off the spot? So when that moment comes and you're on the spot, you do what you're supposed to do. And sometimes as a pastor, when I say things like, you should really, you really should pray and read your Bible, I kind of feel like the doctor who's constantly saying, you know, if you want to be healthy, you should really eat better and exercise. And you're like, oh, really? I've never heard that before. And we, sh- we know we should, right? But it takes work. And it doesn't always taste good. And it, and it doesn't work instantly. And we want to give up, right? Because the first time you sit down to a big kale salad instead of a cheeseburger, right? It's, it kind of hate your life a little bit. <laughs> and it takes work, too. I mean, if you've eaten kale, it's so much chewing. <laughs> it's so much chewing. But, but, or, or the first time you go to the gym or you, and you, get, or you get on the treadmill, you, right, you, in January there's all those workout ads and the guy always looks so happy on the treadmill. <laughs> but you actually go to the gym for the first time after not doing that or for the first time ever and you're miserable. But over time, these habits, these practices, not only do you begin to develop a, a taste for them, you feel their effects. You begin to, to feel happier, healthier, stronger. You start to enjoy them. If you want to be ready, if you want to be ready for life, you must engage these spiritual disciplines. And I just want to highlight two of them as next steps. You can read actually more about both of these particular disciplines in the guidebook. Um, The first one is to bring back the Sabbath. If you want to be ready for Monday, practice taking a day of rest. Practice taking a day of rest. Jesus rested. He's the creator of the universe, and he rested. So for us who are creatures, I think we ought to follow his example. And the Sabbath is God's idea, and when it was instituted in the ancient Near East, as Israel leaves Egypt, it was incredibly radical. There was no one else, no other culture that practiced anything like this, that everyone got a day off. The king, the priests, the farmers, the commoners, even the animals, right? You read the Old Testament, even the animals, they got a day off. No other culture in the ancient Near East had anything like this, not even close. Because they all tended to think, like you and I tend to think, that if we take a day off, we're going to fall behind. We're going to fall behind. And here's the thing, if you do regularly take a day off, it's not unlikely that you may fall behind other people who are willing to work every single day, go into the office, do one more thing, one more project around the house, but you find rest instead. You see, God invites us to rest. Why? Because you are not a slave anymore. This is part of the justification for the Sabbath as well. In the Old Testament, as these laws are being given about the Sabbath, continues, you are no longer slaves in Egypt. You can rest. You are not a slave to your job, to your projects, to your family. To your... You are not a slave anymore. You are a child of the king of the universe. And when he says that you can take a break, you can and you need to. 
He's in control. He is providing for you even when you're resting. In fact, rest is one of the most profound acts of trust that we can, we can do. Because we say, I'm going to stop providing for myself just for a little bit. And I'm going to trust someone else to satisfy and provide for me. So yes, take a day off. A day when you're not consumed with email or homework or whatever it is that, that drains you, which means you're going to actually have to work harder on the other six days. Right? So I've begun to realize this. It's like you have to actually plan pretty hard to get a day off and work ahead and put chores and tasks and move things around so you can really guard a day. It's not, it's not easy. You have to work harder the other six days. But then you have a day when you say to God, I trust you to do the work that satisfies me. And then you do the things that actually satisfy your soul. And, and for a lot of us, this, the day of rest, that day of Sabbath actually begins right here in church on Sunday. So enjoy this space, this time. Don't be in a hurry while you're here. It's your day to rest, to serve, to then to go home and read and, or nap or go on a hike or have a conversation, play a game, be with friends. Don't rush. It's where we find the space to prioritize and to plan, to seek. What do we say yes to and no to in our lives? We have a moment to breathe and pause and reflect. Are we doing the things that we want to be doing with our time? I encourage you just to try it. Try it one day a week for a month. And not only do I suspect that it will become a source of immense delight in of itself that one particular day, but you will find that the rest of your week also goes so much better. There's a, a great book called Great at Work, and one of the, the things that they did in all this empirical study, if you work more than 50 hours a week, you start having diminishing returns. Once you work more than 65 hours a week, it drops way off. People who actually rested, who take time off, actually perform much, much better. And in his yoke, you'll be ready. So that's the first thing. Second, if you want this kind of rest, you need to, to start and end your day with prayer. When you wake up tomorrow, pray. Just take five minutes and pray. When you, when you go to bed, pray. Then the next day when you wake up, pray. Then go to bed, pray. And over time, this, this yoke of prayer, this rhythm of prayer will begin to, to shape you and become a source of rest. Recently, Rachel and I have begun using this, this book uh, together um, to help us with that rhythm of praying in the morning and then the evening. It's called The Diary of Private Prayer by John Bailey. And it just has a, a prayer for the morning and the evening. Uh, for each day of the month. There's 31 of these. And so uh, in the morning, Rachel and I do this separately because we're up at different times doing different things. But in the evening, we do it together as the last thing before we fall asleep. Or sometimes if Rachel's reading it, I fall asleep during the prayer. That's happened um, a couple of times. But this pattern of, of morning and evening prayer. Eugene Peterson, in his book, Answering God, he writes... In prayer, we intend to leave the world of anxieties and enter a world of wonder. In prayer, we decide to leave an ego-centered world and enter a God-centered world. We will to leave a world of problems and enter a world of mystery. But he says, this is not easy. Why is it not easy? Because we are used to anxieties, egos, and problems. We are not used to wonder God and mystery. We are not used to wonder God and mystery. But try it. Try it for a month. <laughs> Maybe grab Bailey's book and let that be a guide for you for a month of morning and evening. Morning and evening. 
and just see what God does in that rhythm and that pattern of prayer. You know, Jesus modeled this for us in his life. You know, sometimes we, we just focus on Jesus' teaching without actually looking at his practices, how he actually lived. And we need to follow Jesus' example in this. We need to look at his practices and learn from him. It's what he's inviting us to do. Learn from me. But don't miss this, friends. If you only have Jesus as your example, if you're only looking to him as an inspiration for your training, in the end you will end up only just trying harder. Because the only way that you can take on Jesus' yoke, the only way that you can learn to train with him, is if you have him as more than an example. You must first have him as your savior, as your rescuer. If you try to step into Jesus' yoke without trusting in Jesus' finished work on the cross, you will never quiet that inner murmur of self-reproach. You will never cease to hear that little voice that says, what good are you? What can you do? It's only Jesus' finished work on the cross as he is dying on the cross, his final breath, he says, it is finished. It is finished. Because Jesus has finished the ultimate work on the cross of forgiveness of sins, of welcoming us in, in love. We can have that voice quieted, we can begin to engage in the disciplines not as a means of, of earning his approval or trying just one more thing to accomplish, but of finding rest in him. He's forgiven your sins. He's welcomed you in love. He's chosen you. He wants you. He's inviting you. His Holy Spirit is in you, making it possible for you to remain in the yoke with him. So come to him. Come to him and find rest. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray this morning, and I, I even confess this morning that I, I've come in with so much burdening in my mind, things I'm trying to handle on my own, schedules and plans and tasks and projects. Lord, teach me, teach us to rest. Teach us to train in such a way that we're not just checking off one more thing from a list, but we're really finding time and delight with you. Refreshment. We pray this in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.